Welcome back, friends. I'm Kirk with Moose Ministries, and this is Barry Klingen. We are back for another Bishop in the Moose. We are so excited to be with you again today. You know, last week, Pastor, we talked about how what, well, I guess really the question we talked about was, what is it to have Christ at the center seat of our life? Yes, we did. We did. We had, and that was a fantastic discussion, uh, uh, really about what it really means to 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 be a, a follower of Christ. And uh, we really got into some good uh, talk about that. And I think today, you know, we could take it to that next step that says, maybe, the okay, what does it look? What does it, you know, will look like when you don't have Christ? And because in the scriptures, what we learn is there is a both sides. Uh, view to this thing of, you know, this is what a believer acts like, this is what a believer doesn't act like. And we find that in such places like Matthew 25, where Jesus says at the end of the age, he's going to look at everybody and say, you know, I was uh, hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty and you gave me drink, I was in prison and you came to see me. So we see that list of, and he said, if you did it to any of these, you did it unto me. So there's a list of actions that result from our faith. Uh, same thing could be true when you go to uh, Timothy, when the Apostle Paul said, you know, uh, at the end times there will be uh, men that love themselves and love money, and he gives that list there. And you can take the opposite of that list to show the positive, but he gives the negative outwork of those who do not know God. There's there's other places. Galatians talks about the works of the flesh and the work of the Spirit. Obviously, being in a few of the Spirit, you'll have these in your life. And we spent a lot of time last week, or last time, talking about you know the real implications of how serious this is and how jesus spent so much time uh centering on the fruit of your life not the uh confession of your life confession's important it was important in matthew 16 when when uh, peter said thou art the christ the son of the living god and he said you didn't get that from man that came from my father revelation so confession's important but overwhelmingly jesus spent his time teaching about what will be the fruits of that confession? So I think when we immediately start to ask the question, what's it going to look like when you don't, we can begin to look at that. And and let's just be honest, in the Western church, which I mean uh, America evangelicalism, we have so emphasized the confession, almost to uh, not even hardly talk about what it looks like when you actually live for Christ. And Jesus did just the opposite. He spent more time on the fruits of what you did or did not do, considering whether you believed him or not, rather than just the confession. They both go together. You can't have one without the other. But it's interesting that our Lord spent more time talking about what's it going to look like that's right. uh, when you're there. And that, that's to me, is a question that uh, you're asking. And I think when you look at those lists, like I mentioned last time, it's not an unhealthy thing to sit down and have that time of making your calling and election sure and examining these things. And, you know, I, I would just, you know, uh, look at you tonight if I was sitting across the table with you and you look at me and ask me the same thing and say, I'm not asking you what you believe. Don't give me a confession of faith. Don't tell me your doctrine. Don't tell me you subscribe to this, you know, uh, manifest, uh, you know, uh, uh, creed or, or whatever. I'm not saying those aren't important, but I'm not asking that question. I'm asking the question, what's going on in your life Monday through Friday, you know, um, right. all week long, every day? What, what's, what's happening in your life? How is that the Holy Spirit that is in your life manifesting itself so that you know you're being led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8 says, after saying we're led by the Spirit and all of these things, it says if you do not have the Spirit, you're none of His. I mean, this is serious 
things that we talk about. And uh, I think we need to spend some more time with Jesus' teaching uh, about how we need to focus on what is present and what's not present there, you know, uh, in our life as a result of our confession. Oh, definitely. And when we don't have our confession down, our declaration, like we talked about last time, (laughs) and we're not proclaiming that he is Lord and Savior of our life, Mm -hmm. then the devil quickly knows that it's not a follower of Christ. Because Mm -hmm. really, when he sees you or me, if we're walking in Christ like we're supposed to, he really should be seeing Christ. We're hidden in Christ in all that we do. So if Christ is not center seat in our life, Mm -hmm. kind of bringing it back for a second, what does that look like? Well, number one, the enemy can quickly spot you. Mm -hmm. He knows exactly who you are. One, because your speech is not like Christ. Mm -hmm. You're not talking like Jesus. Mm -hmm. You're not acting like him. Kind of like we were talking about before we started uh, filming just now. You know, it could even be that we start gossiping about our neighbor. We start talking about the pastor behind his back or the associate pastor or all the the music minister or whomsoever. You know, we start talking about others that we're counseling when we really should be praying for them instead of talking about them. Or we start thinking, oh, I'm better than so-and-so because I don't have that issue in my life. When really, you have something like Jesus would say, a log in your eye. And what they're dealing with is a speck. And you should be removing the log from your eye so that you could be praying for them and helping them to remove the issue out of theirs. That, that is uh, so important uh, about the uh, what you're saying there. Incredibly important because, uh, you know, it's the confession. I, I've said this statement for a long time. The kingdom belongs to people with a disciplined tongue. Uh, you know, we used to teach this a long time ago. I don't know the validity of, of this would hold up completely. But, you know, we say that, you know, Satan doesn't have the right to go in the presence of God like he did in the time of Job uh, because now Christ has died and he has no place there. So how does he become the accuser of the brethren? Well, we as uh, the body of Christ are seated in heavenlies with him. We're in Christ. And what do we do so many times but run our mouth and tell on everybody? Have you heard what so-and-so did? Did you hear what happened to him? Did you hear what the pastor did? Did you hear oh, what I'm, this happened? And I'm sorry, who who all has kids? We yeah. both do. So, you know, when you've got kids, I've got three and I think you had five, uh, right? Yes. So you, what happens? Dad, so-and-so did this, or so-and-so is doing such-and-such, and and you never let me get away with it, so you better do something about it. I always say this, Kirk. I say when you go on a trip with your kids when they're young, You'd die for your family as a good dad, you know. You'd be willing to lay down your life. But after about 30 minutes on the road, you're ready to kill your family, you know, you know, because all that. He's got his leg on my side of the, of the car, and here Are we go. Are we there yet? Yeah, yeah, for so sure, it's, for sure. There's always something that's a challenge, but that's not unlike the Christian walk. Mm-hmm. There's always something that's a challenge. Now, the question is, are we going to take the attitude that I'm so frustrated, I just want them out of my life, Or am I going to take the attitude of Christ and say, you know what, no matter what happens, I am going to follow Christ even if I have to put my flesh to death. Because if we don't, the Bible is very clear that there is judgment that's coming. That that is that's the most serious thing. What you're saying there is that we we see the the implications of this is uh, you know I, I've been studying in Matthew 25 of these parables of Jesus uh, at the end of his earthly ministry what he speaks on and what he spoke on the majority of all the time he spoke and it was be prepared 
It's going to be in a day you do not think it, it will be. You will not, you know, most people will not be ready. And the judgment itself is going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, just being real honest with just the gospel of Matthew, uh, those who have signed gifts and all don't come across real well. Lord, Lord, didn't we heal people in your name, prophesy in your name, you know, do many wonderful works in your name? And he says, I didn't know you. You know, matter of fact, notice they're saying the confession, Lord, Lord, but their works didn't line up with what he said. But yet, over and over and over, Jesus is teaching that the people that did ministries to help people, even that were unseen and very small, they're the ones that get celebrated because their faith actually, you know, changed them to help people and to and to make a difference. So this is serious. Uh, I think in the you know, and I say the West, I mean Western culture, you know, of, of what American evangelicalism has come out of. We're today so emphasize the idea of confession, almost not to the exclusion, but never even mentioning the fruits that ought to follow that. It's just as if, have you prayed to receive Christ and you've been baptized, you know, you're ready. And, and that, that's foreign to what Jesus said over and over in Scripture. Remind us what it says in the Word about what we will do when we have Christ in our heart, what we should be doing. Well, it's everywhere. You know, I mean, I think, you you know, those ones that I mentioned there, and, uh, I mean, it's, you know, you, you find it on every page. And, and, and I'll go back to what Jesus said. He That's all he talked about. This is what will happen with my followers. My followers will look like this and do like this. And, and I go back to this real quick and say what I said earlier, and that is, you know, take your Bible and read the red. Read what Jesus said and just look through it. And I actually write it down. It takes a long time to do that. And it's a heavy discipline, but it really makes me get into my heart because, you know, I'm a preacher and teachers will be held in stricter judgment. And, and it concerns me sometimes that I'll read the words of Jesus and look back at my sermon series for the year. And they haven't always lined up, you know, with the emphasis. They're not, they're not doctrinally wrong. It's just that Jesus had an emphasis on things I'm not emphasizing. We tend to, in this Western culture, emphasize ourselves. Our praise songs are about us, not God. Some of them are. And uh, our messages, our sermons. I mean, I, I was talking about this the other day. It really bothers me how, in this world, in this culture, people uh, treasure the practical. Well, you know, he gives me a practical message. Well, I like going to hear this preacher because he's practical. You know, he makes the word real and be practical. Most of the time what they mean when they're saying that is he tells me how to be a better boss. He tells me how to be a better husband. He tells me how to be. And those things are all great in their, in their place. But really, we're talking about the glory of God. And we're talking about it's not all about us. It's about him. And so we need to get our lives in right with him, then let it outwork into our life. If we start with the idea of how does this make me a better husband or or better person and can I do this and you know it's almost as if we're using Jesus to add to make our life a little better and you know he's not the sinner he's just you know something that we can sprinkle on and it makes it better and that's not Christianity that's not biblical gospel at all but that's the way we treat it and we don't even realize we're doing that I mean people come up to me and have for 30 years we're visiting the church today. I said, well, I'm glad that you're here. We're church shopping. And I'm like going, really, you're treating your church membership like a commodity on the shelf at Walmart, you know, that you're choosing brands and, and all of this? What, whatever happened to where does God say? What does God say I ought to do and where I ought to be? And, of course, I can, get on my, I can get on my soapbox real easy about those things. But I think they have an underlying current of the shift that needs to take place in our ministries and our preaching and all that we are off of uh, uh, of our words and into our actions more. Where, where is this working out? What is this really 
you know, I think that's a very important vein that we're heading right there because a lot of people look for the next big wave of God and they want to chase it. Yes. And the thing yes. is, is there's a mm-hmm. call right now, and mm-hmm. I felt it, you felt it, we've talked mm-hmm. about it, that the Lord is not looking for you to chase the next wave of God. He's w- wanting you to be the next <laughs> wave of God. Yes. And the only way for you to do that is if you yield everything to Him as an individual, as a body, corporately, and in, under an anointing. Well, what does that mean? Well, first of all, we have to be positioned properly. Mm-hmm. God, where do you want me? Mm-hmm. Am I yes. in the right state? Yes. Am I in the right city? Mm-hmm. Am I in the right country? Okay, if I'm in the right place, am I under the right body? Mm-hmm. Or am I where I want to be? Okay, mm-hmm. what do I mean by am I where I want to be? Am I where I'm comfortable? Yes. Because if it's where I'm comfortable, it doesn't mean that's where God wants me. Yes. They can be the same. Mm-hmm. But sometimes God mm-hmm. will say, Kirk, Barry, mm-hmm. John, Teresa, mm-hmm. whomever, you need to go move and you need mm-hmm. to become a part of this body over here and this other side of the city because yes. you're going to shake things up. It'll be uncomfortable for you for a while, but you'll make an impact in that environment to where you'll shake loose the dust off their feet and they'll begin to start moving and grooving in my spirit. And many times what happens is people don't allow the Holy Spirit to drive them where they need to be because God's going to always move you or me or mm-hmm. whomsoever to where we're going to be to our place of greatest potential. Mm-hmm. He's not going to move us to a location to where we're going to sit stagnant. Mm-hmm. So if God moves you somewhere, he's going to say, you know what? Barry needs to be at his top game. Okay, mm-hmm. what's that look like? Oh, Trophy Lakes. Okay, mm-hmm. he's at Trophy Lakes. What's that look like? He needs to be one who's equipping his people and ready to mm-hmm. send them wherever they need to go. Wow, wait a minute. That sounds like the gospel. Yes, it does. You know, and so people get freaked out when it doesn't go according to what's comfortable to them because what's most mm-hmm. comfortable and you've done this before, mm-hmm. establish a large church, mm-hmm. thousands of members, oh, yeah. no problem filling seats. Mm-hmm. But sometimes God calls you somewhere else because he knows you have a greater purpose because it's harder to send out in a larger assembly because people tend to want to stay in the assembly. But the Lord calls many of us to be senders, not gatherers. Uh, I, I just, well, you just scratch so many things there that are, uh, such things that are wrong today, and you know it's it's just a, it's a it's a great concern of mine. You know, you know, go back to what Paul said in Romans twelve. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you know, do, you, you know, don't be conformed to trans to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I, I think it's a it's a it's a danger in every culture, uh, any culture. It's a danger to let that culture get married with the, with biblical truth in a way that doesn't bring salt and life to that culture. It, it just, you know, absorbs it. You know, in other words, we become more like the world rather than changing the world. And um, that's, uh, you know, that's true. I mean, that, that's true. It happens everywhere. And I'm, I'm talking about, listen, good people, filled with the Holy Spirit people say, well, I'm not seeing enough signs and wonders around here. I've got to, I got to go somewhere where there's a bigger party, you know. And I'm thinking, you're really going to, you know, move, you know, and that that's a commodity again. You're just looking for what Christ can do to add value to your life rather than worshiping him and being where he wants you to be. God never called you or me or anyone else to be a thermometer. 
Yes. <laughs> he didn't say, okay, Kirk, you need to go to Trophy Lakes and become the thermometer to tell Pastor Barry yes. what's going on in his church. <laughs> That's not why he sent me here. Yeah. So, you know, if people start moving or going to another location because they think they're going to be the thermometer and to tell the local pastor that what's mm-hmm. happening, they're out of line and they're out of order. Yeah. Now, God may assign you to pray for something mm-hmm. if there's something out of line, but guess what? He did not send you to be the thermometer. He created you to be a thermostat (laughs) the thermostat is something that sets the temperature wherever it is so we're all supposed to be ones that bears the light of christ everywhere we go if we're not reflecting the light of christ then we must not have a part of him and that's where we really need to go back to that introspective self and say Mm -hmm. okay god i'm not affecting the atmosphere around me the pressure where i am is overcoming me Mm -hmm. what in me needs to change Yes. You know, but a lot of times we get in that little turtle shell and we say, oh, Lord, help me. The pressure's too great. They're going to crush me. Or or it's not like you want it to be or the way you think it ought to be. And, you know, when you say that about coming in, it's not it. It's not so much that coming in and say, well, I'm going to go in there and change. Obviously, that's the wrong attitude, you know, to go into. But it's also, too, that when you're, you're usually attracted to a group of people, but you come together with that group of people, and then when... You know, a family goes through seasons, you know. Uh, it's not always a, a prosperous time, maybe, or maybe there's some times to cut back. or there's some, And a family learns to grow in that, and really that's what really makes them a family over time is when they've gone through more difficulties and challenges. But today, yep. the first difficulty and challenge that comes along, people jump ship because I don't have to do this, and I want to make my life as easy as it possibly can, so I'm going to go over here, or I'm going to go there, and not do the hard work of building relationships. No, I completely time. agree with you. They're not. If someone's moved to another church, they're not there to change the church. Mm-hmm. When I say thermometer, well, thermometer versus thermostat there, I mean they're yeah. there to positively affect the atmosphere, right. not to be one that corrects the pastor or the staff yeah. that's there. And I just want to make sure that Whoever's yeah. watching understands clearly what's meant. Um, because think about it. If someone comes into our church here mm-hmm. and they're coming in as a thermostat, they're not coming and telling you, me, mm-hmm. Pastor Michelle, anyone mm-hmm. what's going on. What do they do? They love Jesus. They press into the presence and they bring the presence they have at home with them wherever they are. Yeah. And if they're bringing the presence, automatically they shift the atmosphere by just coming because they're bringing the presence of God with them. Yes, exactly. I think when you say those things like that, when you start talking about the church, because I, I, I immediately and surprisingly, as a pastor, I want to resist that a little bit because I just I want to love people where they are. And you know, I got big shoulders, and I you know sometimes people get angry and they just need to you know yell at somebody. So I, I can take that and do something like that. But I think it's picture of a greater problem, and the greater problem is how we have built our. We've, we've preached an American gospel rather than a biblical gospel. And yep. we, we've all talked about, well, you know, this church can, you know, we, we well, it's not the church so much as it's the gospel itself. Jesus can add some value to my life. And Jesus does not exist to add value to life. Jesus is the king. He is the center of all things. That's what we're talking about with the questions, you know, here. I mean, he, he he's everything. He's not, uh, you know, like I say, just something to sprinkle on your life and make it look a little better. He, you know, and yet I'm afraid that's the way we take it. And therefore, you see out of uh, so many pulpits a gravitation or a capitulation to that uh, attitude to give people what they want. And 
And I, you know, I want to be practical. I mean, I obviously don't want to be impractical, but but I, what I'm worried about is that love and sh- that that worship of practicalism. Uh, I I want to I want to help people uh, wherever they are in their life, but when there is a when there is an attitude of what's what's in this for me. Oh, brother. Then you start, you're, Come you, on. you realize, and again, I'm not beyond helping anybody with that, but it's just a matter of it reflects a deeper-seated cultural appropriation of the gospel in the church today. And it I'm, makes it domestic. And I don't want to, I want to clarify up front, I'm not saying anything yeah. about the praise and worship in the American church that's yeah. negative, and that's not, well, my intention is not that, but my point that I want to make is many times when we go and praise, we talked about how mm-hmm. a lot of times it's about us. Well, we're not saying, God, what do you want? Mm-hmm. We're not saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to hear? But we are satisfied with hearing what we want to hear so that we have the appearance or the feeling yes. of his presence, but really the presence is not here. Mm-hmm. What do I mean by that? When we hear something we like, we tend to get good feelings and because yes. of that, sometimes we can displace the actual feeling of Christ being with yes. us and replace it with satisfaction of what we wanted to hear. Well said. So do I really want to hear the song, or do I really want his presence? That is incredibly uh, what you're saying there. So, and that's what I'm trying to say behind these things, behind what we're saying and doing. There is a greater problem that exists here that we need to identify because it's manifested in all these different ways. I, I look at our, our praise today, and I look at music that's being developed in different churches this year, and you know, and, and this this season we live in. And I know there's some incredible money being made by some people and things like that. And I don't despise any of that. And you know, there are some praise songs that are you know a little better than others. I think some of the best. Um, I think some of the it's the best environment uh, I've ever known in my Christian life for. For people that are gifted, that are putting in words and songs, uh, our hearts. I, I love it, but I yet at the same time I say it's the best. I think it has the potential. But I, I heard someone say this to me the other day, and see if you see what I'm talking about when I say this. They they said, well, "Now does your church sing this this music and this and particular songs or particular brands of song, Hillsong or you know or Elevation or whatever? Do they do they sing this? They sing that? So now you got to sing that. Now, I got to get my praise on. I can't go there if you don't sing that." And I'm like going, you know, that is, there's something behind that that gets into that consumer idea of Christianity that even we take a good thing, which is good worship music, and we twist it around that it becomes, boy, that's my song, and that's the one I get my praise on, and it, my, 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 you know. But how do we fix that? Yeah. Because what it really <laughs> comes down to is we've given you a good contrast of Christ in the center mm-hmm. versus Christ not in the center. So how do we fix it if Christ is not in the center? Well, number one, you spend more time in his presence. Mm-hmm. How do you fix, as a pastor— how do you fix it if you have people that are trying to be the thermometer or an yeah. inappropriate thermostat yes. in your audience? Well, first of all, you take it to the prayer closet, <laughs> and then you got to teach. Oh, yes. I know that's a word a lot of people yeah. te- treat like a four-letter word. A lot of people yeah. don't like to teach, but guess what? We're called to equip the saints. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's going to be easy. It's going to be work, You know that four-letter mm-hmm. word that none of us really like to do. But, hey, yeah. guess what? We all need to do it, and we need to teach those that are assigned to us by Christ to understand the word of truth for what it is. So as we teach them and guide them through the scriptures and give them a foundation that's solid, that is freeing, Mm -hmm. then they can find the truth for themselves. Now, what do I mean by find the truth for themselves? You and I can't guide them. 
excuse me, we mm-hmm. can guide them, but we can't guide them at home. Mm-hmm. Reality is, is if, in, if I'm preaching or you're preaching or if another preacher's preaching, if our congregation doesn't go home and study the Word for themselves, mm-hmm. they're going to be lost. Yes. yes. That's reality. That's you cannot take the gospel consume it at church, and expect to get by for your week and be okay. The gospel is something that each of us are supposed to go and break the word of truth apart ourselves and say, okay, Holy Spirit, teach me. Mm-hmm. So every time, any time, well, I like to say, anytime you hear a preacher preach, check it with the word. Yes. You know, and I tell people when I teach mm-hmm. them, I say, look, take everything I say and test it against mm-hmm. the scriptures, test it against the gospel. If there's anything out of line, feel free to bring it to my attention. Exactly. And... So first of all, as God, as preachers of the gospel, we need to teach people. Mm-hmm. But as people of the word, mm-hmm. you know, Christians, believers, mm-hmm. if we're in a position where we don't have Christ in the center, we need to say, Holy Spirit, show me what's going on in my life. Mm-hmm. We need to do what we talked about last time. We need to, well, not necessarily exactly, because some people may not be analytical, so they may not mm-hmm. want to make lists like some of us. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, some of us may want to make lists like Pastor Barry mm-hmm. does. Some of us may just want to start meditating on it. Yeah, and I don't exactly. mean this, you know, far exactly. out, clearing my mind thing, mm-hmm. but say, Holy Spirit, speak to me and get out your journal mm-hmm. and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. What is it in my life that I'm falling short at? Mm-hmm. And as you hear him whisper to you, begin to write it down. Now, why do I say write it down? Why? Because you're making a memorial before the Lord mm-hmm. so that later on you can come out and read what He's, what you've told to the Lord and what he's spoken to you. And then you say, oh, wow, wait a minute. God showed me this. He answered this and he directed my path here. Mm-hmm. Wow. He really did answer my, my mm-hmm. prayer. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times if we don't write it down six months to a year from now, mm-hmm. we completely forget about the conversation we had with him. And it's completely off of our mind. That's uh, I really like how you asked that question. You said, "How? Do, what, what's the solution? How do we? How do we do this?" And and I love the practical things that you're saying there that really talk about how we really begin to change that. I think, uh, and I, I feel like you know, just say this here. Uh, we're we're specifically in a time period right now that we're actually recording this, and it's a time period in America where we're about to enter an election season for president, which is always a uh, difficult time and probably not as more difficult than it's been uh, in most of our lifetimes than, than this one. We certainly have had difficult elections in the history of the United States. Uh, but my, what I'm trying to do, again, and behind this, we're, I'm calling our church uh, to resist falling prey to a political spirit a uh, religious spirit, and uh, you know, and I can't, I don't have time to develop all this, but a, a political spirit, it, it divides people. And you're either with us or you're against us, and it it takes names, and it and it you know it's angry, and you know and all this, and I and I, fingers, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've said this statement, and I'll be saying it a lot, but you know, the devil doesn't care who you vote for as long as he can get you trapped in a political spirit of dividing your family, dividing people, and doing all this, and you know. What I'm doing is I'm leading our church to experience the kingdom of God during this time. Amen. The richness of the presence of God that lifts us out and above that. It's where we realize that even, and I'm a patriot, seventh generation Klingon, you know, my great uncle William Klingon served with uh, George Washington and signed the Articles of Confederation, served in Congress with uh, Benjamin Franklin. All that stuff. I, I got the patriotic blood from in, in my system there, but I'm also a member of the kingdom of God. And that trumps and is so much bigger than anything about the nations that are around us that come. And God actually says, the nations are a dropping bucket to me. 
I know this means that they're not important in the particular culture we're living in and what we're doing and things that are going on. I know all of that. But I'm saying this, as the kingdom of God, we need to lead the world to show them there's something better than Amen. these fleshly wars that are continually going on in a political realm that is purely in the flesh. And so it's an opportunity not to get drugged you know, down to that, that level, but to truly experience the presence of God. So the way I'm countering that is I'm, I'm trying to lead our church, you know, which I'm responsible for, and anybody else I have influence with, to experience God, experience the kingdom of God, and rise above this. Not in the flesh. It's just all about the spirit. But we're just going to love Jesus so much. And, you know, it's almost as if, and I know I get taken to task by this statement, but it's almost as if you get to a point where it doesn't really matter who's president. You know, because here in the kingdom of God, you know, one person can't stop revival. Another person can't bring revival. Democrats, Republicans, whatever the D or R or I behind their name, they're not. that doesn't qualify them to bring revival to America and spiritual awakening that we desperately need. And neither does it keep, empower them to stop it. I know there's a consequences to elections and a democracy, all those things, a republic that we have. But I'm still saying, you know, in the kingdom of God's greater. And it's captivated us more, and that's what we need to raise ourselves to. So I think, you know, in a big picture way, that's, you know, you start talking about, you know, that that's what we're doing. We're going we're gonna to get in the Word. We're going to do these things so that we can elevate ourselves to experience the robustness of the kingdom of God and the very power of the presence of God in our lives every day. I feel like I'm that's preaching it. now. Oh, brother, I, I don't know of a better place to put a bow in it. Yes. And otherwise, we're going to go on yes, all that's true. night. Because, I mean, this is a topic that's so packed full that we could unpack yes. this probably for the next couple hours. Yes. But, guys, we really thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to contact one of us, you can either reach Pastor Barry at bclingon at trophylakes.org, or you can reach me at mooseministriesinc.com. And we'll talk with you next time. God bless. God bless.